And um, everybody right here, we're doing this series, uh, and this one is um, called uh, Abundance. Jesus said, John 10, 10, I came to give you life in abundance. And what we're going to do is talk about that during the series. And if I can, um, just a smidgen of recap, and then we'll, we'll go forward. Um, and then I want to read a few verses from Philippians, the third chapter. Um, part of my job, I feel like, before I can tell us where we're going, is I got to talk to us about where we aren't going. Um, because I feel like some, sometimes we've been so entrenched with a certain kind of Christianity, if you will, that uh, we are oftentimes running ferociously the wrong direction. Now, I want you to know something about my particular resume, all right? I'm an undefeated football coach. You can clap now. I'm undefeated. I mean, this is not a small thing. I'm undefeated. I'm 1-0. I retired after my high school powder puff championship. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I had an orange poncho on. It was raining cats and dogs. The final score of our game was we dominated them 2-0. to zero. A girl on the other team ran the wrong way for a safety. <laughs> and I retire as an undefeated football coach. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, th- think for a minute. Uh, have you ever been there? Have you ever seen this in action? Maybe your kid's playing t-ball, running the wrong way. Maybe, but they're, they're going the wrong way. I'm cheering like mad. Everyone else is, her own team's trying to tackle her, right? And... Uh, she makes it all the way to the end zone. We get two points. No one else could figure out how to score. And so that's how my career ended. But here's the thing. I, I, before I talk about the goal, I, and we started this last week, I need to talk a little bit more about what the goal is not. What we're not here to do. A lot of you make assumptions, and a lot of you grew up with assumptions that here's the, here's the reason we're here. Here's why we're gathered. Here's why we're Christians. Here's why I go to church. Here's why um, Jesus came, all of this. And if I can, Jesus said, I came to give you life. I came to give you life in its most abundant form. That even works at Starbucks. If you said to somebody, I want to take you to a seminar and a guy tells you how to live life and it's an abundance. And someone would go, you know, you know how, how much is that seminar? The problem is we've got the language messed up. And so if you say, well, it's at my church. Immediately, what goes on in everybody's head? Ooh, throw the brakes on. I'm busy. I got to golf. I got this, right? Because there's a perception. And so if I can talk about what, what the goals, um, if I can just for a minute, what they aren't. Um, and, the, and the most common goal in people's mind is, well, the goal is actually to get to heaven. How many grew up with this paradigm? You still have it, some of you? Fine, right? It's to get to heaven. I mean, that's the deal. And here's the kicker, right? Which is why so many people leave the church the minute they get the ticket punched. 
Right? Think about it. They, they know statistically people leave if they get confirmed or if they get baptized and a driver's license and mom doesn't make them or they go to college or they get past that milestone and, yep, I'm in, I'm guaranteed. So the rest of it, it's just kind of bonus. Maybe, maybe he'll help you get a job or something like that if you show up a lot. I'm close. Don't act like I'm not close. I'm close. Um, if, if I'm single, maybe there's some good looking people there, but I mean, outside of like, what, what is the long-term reason? If it's to get to heaven and you get that ticket punched, you struggle with the real reason. And by the way, this is so unfortunately woven even into the translations of scripture. I'll give you one example. We're going to do Philippians chapter three today. And, um, it says there, the goal I pursue is the prize of God's, what? Upward call in Christ Jesus. Now, I had to fight for that. You see, C-E-B, I had to fight for that particular translation because almost probably nobody has that translation here. But yours would say something like, heavenward. Anybody? Now, think about this. If I say, I'm going to do a seminar on how you can go up higher, reach higher, be better, Go upward, you would think, oh, that's kind of neat, I'm going to come in. But if, if I replace it with heavenward, yes, it could mean upward, but it's a little, how I many know it's a little deceptive, right? Isn't it? Isn't this funny? Because, see, here's the funny thing. When Luther came, like, you know, 500 years ago, he gave the Bible to people, but a lot of it, the people still didn't read, so they had to put it in language. Now it has to be translated. People don't speak Greek and Hebrew, and they don't know the original languages. And now you have a Bible, but you have to translate it. This is sneaky. And I'm not saying that this is what everyone's intent always was, but once you think... Once you think that that's the goal, then you start shoving it into your translations everywhere. Say, Chris, but that is the goal. Hold on to that for a minute, all right? A lot of people think what Jesus came to do was to take us to heaven. It's the evacuation plan. So really the only point is just to make sure you're going and then take people with you. And Jesus constantly talked about the kingdom of heaven. And if you read in the other Gospels, he also called it the kingdom of what? God. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Matthew's Gospel, they often replaced kingdom of God with kingdom of heaven out of reference or reverence, I should say, to revering the name God. They don't even say the name of God. So it was just another way of saying the kingdom of what? God. And the kingdom of God, we learn in the prayer that you learn to pray, many of you growing up Catholic or Lutheran or whatever, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. You mean, you mean the goal isn't to leave? think. This is so hard. Some of you are just going to be mad. You're going to be mad at me all day. You're going to be thinking about this all day. You're going to email me with, ver- okay, just so that's fine. It's all a process, but just stay with me for a minute. If that's the goal, then everything in your life should revolve around that particular goal. I told you a few weeks ago, there's some guy trying to kick in my door in the middle of the night. I told you about that. Turns out he was trying to save me, convert me, get me to heaven. 
And, and think about it, it's, it's very noble. If you think I'm not going, it doesn't matter what time of night it is. It doesn't matter if your door is locked or it's 1.30, kick it in because this guy's not going to heaven. And he left me, he left me some literature, thankfully. It's there. Three days, two times in the middle of like kicking my door in to get me to what? Heaven. You say, well, that's a little extreme. Sure. But think about it. If that's the goal, if heaven is the goal. Now, Paul says, the goal that I have is something that's different. It's not leaving this world. Um, in Paul's day, we talked about this a lot last week, um, the goal was what, I will, what I'm going to call external religion. External religion. Or religiosity. I'm like looking for good words, right? Externalism. Paul says this. I'll, I'll just read you a slice. This is Paul um, from, well, not necessarily his pen, but the guy he's narrating to. He says, listen, he says, If anyone thinks he has confidence, I have more. And now he's going to list his religious pedigree. Just for grins. How many of you have a religious pedigree? I mean, you got something going. Come on. No one in Orchard Grove. I was kind of not surprised. Maybe a few people. I mean, you know, you're baptized. You're confirmed. You were the... Who's got a couple things going on? Can you list them? How many of you... Like back in the day, you'd put them in the front of the family Bible? Can you still have that? Have anyone done that? All right, so you got your pedigree, all right? So, baptized. Throw it up there. Oh, aren't you proud? Baptized as an infant. All right? Uh, Let's see, let's see. Confirmed. Oh, look at all the confirmed. All right? Uh, I don't even know all my religious terms. Okay, so here's Paul. He wasn't Christian. I know it surprises you. He was Jewish. Ready? He was Jewish. Okay, so... He had his own pedigree. He had his list. And he starts with um, circumcised on the eighth day. Dedicated, right? Given over to God, right? We had that this beautiful, beautiful ceremony. Now, what did Paul have to do with this? Uh, Pretty much nothing, right? But what is he bragging on? He's bragging on where he came from, his family, my heritage. Well, we're this. Have you ever been talking to somebody that said, well, we're Catholic? Sorry. Well, we're Baptists. You know, well, we're, and, and they're kind of like, but, but we're here, right? So Paul was like, w- basically, we're Jewish. And I'm not trying to be derogatory. Uh, they believed they were better, more called. They just believed that. In Paul's day, that's just what they believed. P- precious, more, more gifted, more unique to God. Why wouldn't you brag about that if that's what you believed? Um, he says, of the tribe of Benjamin. This is what some of you Christians do, right? It's like, oh, I'm not just a Christian. Oh, no, no. No, we're Baptist. No? Some of you down there, like, no, we're Methodist. So he's not just Jewish. He's of the, he's of the tribe of Benjamin, right? Like, no, no, we're Catholic. Don't you know Catholics go to heaven and everyone else, we just pray for you, right? You know, yeah, we're Pentecostal. We really get the spirit, right? 
everybody has their thing. And like, so Paul's going on to say, not only am I Jewish, we're of the right, we're of the inner right, right group. And then he says, uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm like, Paul's like, I'm SEAL Team 6. <laughs> In regard to the law, a Pharisee. So they had their law. We would have our scriptures, right? You ever been talking to somebody about the Bible? One of your Christian friends? Anybody? No, no you ever do this? Okay. Well, then they have different ways. Like, you, you know the people, they got duct tape on it, and they're just killing it, man. They're rifling through pages. Anybody know? And you kind of go, ooh, serious duct tape, right? They go to Bible study four times a week. You know what I mean? And, like, and, and they are a little bit, what you call, meticulous about it. Paul was, as it approached his scriptures, what you would, there was a level, there was a, a way of thinking, and it was called pharisaical. He was a Pharisee. It was a certain way of seeing things. And here's how they saw it. Here's what, and I'm going to give you a broad stroke. Pharisee basically said, the reason things aren't going well for us is because we aren't following the Bible in every single degree. And we have to follow every single part. You ever been with somebody and they're like pointing at their Bible, like why you're not doing good because of... This was a Pharisee. Oh, man, talk about, talk about, what about stress, huh? Would that be a little stressful? 613 commandments? You thought, I thought there were only 10. No, (laughs) 613. Sometime, do yourself a favor, there's a book out called The Year of Living Biblically. And a guy made an actual attempt. He actually, he's a, he's a writer. He made an attempt to follow every single command in the Old Testament, 613 of them. He had spreadsheets. He had charts and graphs because he had to even know what they are and remind himself to keep them all. And obviously, it's, it ends up very comical because you have no shot. But, Paul, but these people actually believed that they did. And Paul said, as for zeal... Persecuting the church. As for zeal, is how into it am I? How much credit do I get? Not only am I into it as far as a Pharisee, but I will go out, I will go out after other people that aren't doing it. I was having this conversation with somebody after our men's gathering, men's Bible study the other day, and uh, we were having this conversation. I said, the thing you have to remember is this. If you are a Pharisee, and other people weren't following the law, you believed, this is what you believed, you believed that things weren't going well for your country because these people aren't following the law. That's what you believed. So you would naturally go and persecute. You would, you would because you would say, we aren't, we aren't eating well, we, we aren't living well because you're not following the letter of the law. And so you would go out and go after those people and kick their door in in the middle of the night, whatever it took. And this is literally what Paul became. And he would go around and round up people that weren't following it because of the way he believed. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Wow. Wouldn't he have been a fun guy to be around? <laughs> Faultless. Who could say that here? I'm, when it comes to the Bible, I'm faultless. 
Now listen to this. This is what's so important. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. If this is your end zone, right? (laughs) Every step you make in this direction, if your end zone is religious externalism, right? Being... Now... Listen, what a, lot of, what a lot of Christians do, this is what a lot of Christians do. Please listen. What a lot of Christians do is they go, yeah, those Jewish people that got it all wrong. And what a lot of Christians do is they just replace Paul's religious externalism with what? Christian religious externalism. Just give it new names. We just call it baptism, confirmation, this and this and this. We just give them new names. We give them Christian names. But the, but the goal is still to have all this pedigree, all this perfectionism, all these things that we've done that we can check off all the boxes. And it's actually the same thing. The problem is not the titles or the names or the, quote, religion that's over it. It's externalism. It's to impress people, to impress God by going through all of these steps. Wrong end zone. Paul goes, I was charging for that end zone. Charging, charging for that end zone. You know? And I got down to the two-yard line, and Christ himself steps on the field and says, we're supposed to go what? That way. What's that way? This is a different way. Now, the, the, the way of Christ... It's not to get everyone to heaven. It's not religious externalism. It's a change of heart. It's the abundant life. It's a lifestyle. It's a a way that he came, a life that he came to give us. The early thing that they called themselves, do you know what they called themselves? Followers of the way. This is how they thought of themselves, as finding something different. What I'd like to say is this. Years ago, I I nicknamed Orchard Grove a gem for the soul. And I did that for a very particular reason. Because I think if you get it, if you get it right, if you think what, what the real goal, what the real end zone is, it's to be, ready? The healthiest version of you. Now, I know some people would say it's to be Christ like. Um, I get that. I understand that. I'm not going to use that because I think it throws people off a little bit because I think you, you always feel defeated. Like until I'm walking on water, I'm not there and you're never probably gonna, but in character attitudes and that. And the other thing is think of yourself in your healthiest form. Okay. How many had good days and bad days? Not, I'm not talking about things that happen to, to you, although that happens, good days and bad days. I'm talking about you acting to the world. Good days and grumpy days. Come on. I mean, you do. And as long as you like, 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 I go by hour by hour. <laughs> Some of you are like, you're already getting on my nerves. Just kind of wrap it up. Uh, think. We, aren't we? We're sometimes performing well and sometimes we're not performing well sort of so listen 
I'm, I know this is, you gotta, I gotta push. I think the way he's calling you, it's like, go to the gym. The reason you go to the gym, the reason that we're here at church is not so you can check off things. You know, you go to the gym and you, you never miss a class for spinning class and you go 12 weeks in a row and they give you a star and you're a confirmed spinner. And they take you over to the water cooler and they dump water on you, right? And you're like, no, nah, I'm confirmed and baptized. Does it matter, right, if when you're in the class, you turned all the tension off and just watched TV? Does that matter? No, you're fooling yourself. A lot, ready? A lot of us fool ourselves with religious externalism. I, ready? It's easier to get baptized than to be nice. It only takes a few minutes. Hmm? It's easier to say a prayer than be patient. So you can check all the external stuff off and guard yourself from it ever really changing you. You can go to the gym. Know everybody, you know what I mean? You go to the gym for eight months, you get all kinds of certificates, but you haven't lost a pound. Brother, you're missing something. You're missing it. You're missing the spirit of it. What's it about? This is what Paul tricked himself into until Christ turned him around and said, no, there's something different. And then he had a new goal. Look, a new goal. And the new goal was this. To become a changed person. To know Christ. Know him. Become like him. I will, I'll use the phrase to become the best version of yourself. Now think about this. One more wrong goal. This is what some people do. Okay, I get it. I get it now. It's internal. I got to be like Jesus. Ready? And then they go into what I would call super spiritualism. You met these people. I mean, when it happens, they're like, they stop showing up at functions. You know what I mean? They're at church 20 days a week. They're, 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 they're going down the market, you know, and no, it's not about me. It's just for the Lord. And everything is very, the language is super spiritual and everything is, and it's over the top. And li- this is so important. Listen, listen, because some of you are there. You'll get through it. We'll wait. Huh? It's okay. Right? This is like when you first started golfing. Fell in love with it. You bought all these. My, my, one of my buddies was telling me, like, he was such a bad golfer, such a bad golfer. He'd go in the pro shop and buy, like, bags of Pro V1s. I'm like, what are you just throwing $40 bills left and right, spraying them into the woods? I'm like, buy some X outs. <laughs> right? Those are all going to be gone when this is over. So some people, that's how they do their, their, their Jesus. And now, now listen, they, they use this kind of language. It's not about me. I don't care. I'm just for the Lord. And they, this is so important. They smother themselves in spirituality. Now listen, all the while they're seething underneath. You ever had that person that was never cross with you that always said, no, that's fine, that's fine. But underneath, hmm? Underneath they're not fine. Underneath that's not okay. They bury it. It's okay, that's okay. Why? Because you can fake it for a while. Listen, you can go, oh, that's fine, that's okay, that's, yeah, sure, honey, whatever you want to do, right? 
And underneath there's just a boiling pot just ready to explode. People will do this. They will suppress their desires. They will suppress who they are as a person thinking that's what spirituality is. It's close, but it's not it. Listen. When Christ takes hold of us, he actually transforms us from the inside out. Slowly, we stop desiring things that we used to desire. It's not the denial. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not the denial that the desire is there, the suppression. I'm going to suppress it. It's exploring it and allowing God to transform us. So what happens for a lot of people is they go, they, they just deny themselves. They're not even a human being. They don't, they don't socialize. They don't do anything. And they shove themselves down. And they bury themselves in, in all kinds of religious and spiritual experiences. And that's not it either. It is you being the full expression of you. Happy, healthy, and whole. What does the word holy mean? Whole. That's why you see a lot of misguided stuff done in the name of God, religion, church, spirituality, and whatever. Underneath we know. Paul said, no, I have a new goal, and I haven't attained it. This is so important. When somebody has attained it, be careful. Right? When you're with somebody and they say, oh, no, I, I, well, I kind of, you know, I'm here. <laughs> you're going to want to be where I am. Right? Like, basically, this is the, this is the level you want to be at. When they've arrived, you've got to be careful. You have the Apostle Paul saying, he goes, it's a direction, not a destination. And the direction is this. Day by day, listen, step by step, I'm being changed. Or 2 Corinthians, I think, 3.18 says, I'm being transformed, Paul wrote, right? Into ever-increasing glory. What does that mean? It's just I'm slowly, slowly changing. Uh, the only way I can explain it is my golf swing. That's the only way I can explain it, right? I have the right information. I have the information. They've given it to me. Is anybody with me? Any struggling golfers out there? Give me some love. I have the information. Keep my head down. Keep my left arm straight, right? Stop moving my hips. I have the information. What am I struggling with? Execution. Old habits. Here's my habit. Ready? Swing what? Harder. <laughs> Flint golf. Swing harder. I'm going to swing harder. And so this is what you have good intentions. I want to be what Jesus wants me to be. I want to do, I'm going to try what? Harder. And this is what happens. We almost fake ourselves. Transformation, true change. True growth. This isn't going to happen like this. So you guys take me out. They're like, no, just work on this. Just work on this. Oh, I don't want to work on it anymore, right? I just want to snap my fingers and be Tiger Woods, right? I want it to happen. 
It doesn't happen that way. It's just slowly you're dropping this bad habit. Slowly you're dropping this one. Slowly this is fading away. You're increasingly becoming more and more of who he made you to be. Look, some of you, you just have to take it out of park. A couple of you got your baptismal certificate and you've put it in park. You have. What, is, what are great about all these external spiritual or religious experiences? They're great because they're like little signposts along life's way. And they can help us and they're good for us. If we don't see them as the destination. If we see them as guideposts along the way. The problem is if you get your baptismal certificate and you frame it and you put it on your fridge and you're done, then you're not going to become the marvelous you that God made you to be. Look at yourself. There's so much more potential inside of you. Some of you, you have to awaken your imagination. Awaken your imagination. You're not done. Get it out of park. At least put it in neutral and we'll bump you down the hill. Huh? Think. I was watching one of these car shows. I don't know what it's called. Top Gear or something like that. These guys are driving cars in Cuba. And they're they're trying to find... Because they have these old, old, old cars in Cuba. And so they just... They don't have any parts. They don't have any new cars to replace. So they get so creative... And some of you haven't traveled enough. You miss just some of the great parts of life. And so they're driving around. How are we going to get these new gaskets? Now, if we need a gasket, we go up to O'Reilly. We go right. We just run around the corner, and they don't have an O'Reilly. They, 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 I heard about this guy down here. They're making their way through these little side roads. There's a fence. There's a guy's house. Some dogs that get around the back. And what does the guy have? He has an old compressor motor from a refrigerator. An old refrigerator compressor motor. And then he's got a bunch of old forklift tires. He takes the chunk of rubber. He sticks it on the end of the compressor of the motor. He knows the size of the gasket you need. And he, ne- he uses a knife to make you a homemade gasket. These guys, are, these guys are, they travel all over the world doing gearhead stuff. And they're just marvel. Their jaws are down to here. Why? Because sometimes we lose our, what? Imagination. I don't have the right tool for that. I don't have the right thing for that. My family, you don't know. My dad's Irish. Of course we're going to have temper. Uh, Of course you don't know my upbringing. We have all these reasons and excuses as to why we're not becoming that person. And what you have to do is reawaken your imagination and say, no, you know, there is so much more that God can do in and through me. Now listen, I'm, ah, the time. Ready? This is going to take time, and that's okay. We aren't trying to microwave your maturity. It just doesn't work that way. The way that we grow and develop and become these particular people is a process. I'll give you some clues as to where we're going by reading a couple more verses. Forgetting what is behind, he goes, I haven't got there, I haven't attained, and straining towards what is ahead, I have a new goal. I press towards the goal. I press towards the goal to win the prize 
that he has called me, now again, my translation says heavenward, upward. He's calling me to upward. See the difference? All of us who are mature should take such a view of these things. And then listen to this. He says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. That's what we're going to be talking about. Live up to the level that you are. If you're the young guy chasing your baptismal certificate, chase it. Go for it. But then your, your mind's going to say, but there's more. And you're going to go to another level. And you, but you've got to go to the level where you, God's brought you to. Don't look down at people for the level that they're at. But keep letting God advance you. Live up to that level. Listen, join with others in following my example and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Take notes of people. We're going to be talking about this. We grow well with other people. We take note of them. We follow their examples. This is well documented, not just in Scripture, in science, in sociology, and everywhere. We take note. We do take note of what's around us, and we start to morph and become what is around us. So what does that mean? It is massively important who you are around. Ready? Look, look. I always, you know, tell you guys, you don't, you, I don't think God's up in heaven with a scorecard, who attended, who didn't attend church. We've already settled that one, right? We aren't doing this to make God happy. So sometimes you think, well, Chris thinks it's not important. No, I think it's absolutely important. If, if we are providing an environment where you start to see people around you and they start to spur you on and they start to encourage you and, they, and you see examples in people that are around you, you start taking note of it. And now, now, they are encouraging me. Why do you go to the gym? You can work out at home. I need all the weights. No, you don't need the weights. Do push-ups, do pull-ups, do squats. Do Use milk jugs. You don't need it. You, you need the stimulation of others. Some of you need to show off. But other people encourage us. If you've ever worked out with a buddy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They will push you. All right, I think we're out of time. All right, let's do this. Um, We'll pick it up next week. All right? The goal... We, the main, we don't run for the wrong end zone. External, religious externalism, evacuation plan, up and out, all of this, you know, super spiritualism where you're the martyr and your life doesn't matter. That's not sustainable. But what is sustainable? Pursuing the healthiest version of you as God transforms you by his spirit. All right.